Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Today's daf Maseches Bavakamu is daf Yedalid. We're going to begin about five lines from the top of Yedalid Amar Aleph, and we're going to have three sections in today's Limud. Now, just to remember, we left off yesterday with Machlekes Rav Chizda and Rav Lazar regarding Chatzar Ashutvin and the responsibility of Regal and Shane payments. So Rav Chizda said that Chatzar Ashutvin, there is responsibility for Shane and Regal, and Rav Lazar said there's no responsibility or Pater when it comes to Shane and Regal and Chatzar Ashutvin. So the Gemara picks up today, again, the top of Yadal and Madal for the first section, with proofs to both of these positions. Rav Chizda, the Gemara initially says, is supported by a brisa quoted by Rav Yosef that says, Chatzar Ashutfin and Pundak would be Chayav on Shein and Regal because it's considered like Ste'acher, as in the Pasuk of Shein and Regal. And Rav Lezer would be supported by a brisa stated by Rav Shem ben Elazar, where there's four cases. The third of the four cases says, Chatzar Ashutfin and Abika, which is a valley, would be Pater and Shein and Regal. However, the Gemara says Rav Lezer actually resolves that both brisos can conform with his position. And that the first b'risa we quoted by Rav Yosef above, where it says Yerchayev on Shein and Regal, is where both partners were allowed to bring Peros into that courtyard, but neither was allowed to bring the oxen in. So therefore, when it comes to Shein and Regal, Shein let's focus in on, when it comes to Shein actually, there would be a responsibility. You would be Chayev because it would be considered Ste'acher. And the b'risa of Rav Shein ben Elazar is both were allowed to have their peros as well as have their oxen, and that's considered chatzar ashutfin, which is not steacher, and therefore you'd be exempt from shein and regal. And the Gemara says, once we've resolved, the brisos are not necessarily arguing. So Rebelezer and Rav Chizda also could potentially not be arguing, and we could resolve that they're talking about the different situations, as we just said in the brisos. Alternatively, the Gemara says, it could be that really they're agreeing in general. In one case, they're arguing, which would be where both partners are allowed to have peros there, but neither is allowed to have oxen. And then that would be the machlokis if that's considered stay acher. And Rav Chizda would hold like Abaye, who actually resolved Rabbi Zero's question and says, it is considered stay acher, and you'd be chayav on Shein and Regal. And Rabbi Lazar would hold like the Makshin, who is Rabbi Zero, who holds that it's not considered stay acher, and you're not responsible for Shein and Regal. And that's why he would say in such a situation, you are putter. But in general, they would agree they would only be arguing in this particular situation. Moving on now, we're going to clarify that Bryce of Shem ben Elazar had four cases. So the Gemara really poses a contradiction in terms of who the Tana is between the first and fourth case. The first case of the Bryce, we talk about Rashus Hanizak, it implies that there would be a payment of Nezek Shalim regarding Karen if an animal got damaged in Rishos HaNizak. And this would conform with the position of Rabbi Tarfon we'll learn later about in the Masechta. The problem is, fourth case of the Mishnah seems to imply that even in Rishos HaNizak, there's only a payment for a tam of Chatzinezek like normal. So it seems to be a contradiction. Who is the author of this Brisa? So it's two Terutzen. First Teretz is Shmuel. Shmuel says, actually, that's how it is. The Reish is Rabbi Tarfon, the Seif is Rabbanan. However, Ravina says really the entire brysa could be like Rabbi Tarfon, and the first part of the brysa, the first case, fits like Rabbi Tarfon, that even a tam, when it comes to Karen, if it's in Rishus Hanizak, you pay Nezek Shalim. The fourth case, however, is talking about a specific kind of partnership, which is where it's shared for oxen, meaning both partners are allowed to have oxen in there, so it's considered Chatzin Nezek, 
because it's not Rishus Hanizak regarding Karen, and therefore Bitarfan would agree you're, resp- you're only going to pay Chatzinezak regarding Karen, but it's only designated for the Nizak for his Peros there, and therefore you'd be Chayev Anshain as the fourth case illustrates, because that's considered Rishus Hanizak and it's De Acher. Turning to Yadalad and and with this interpretation, the Gemara says it would emerge, even though Rabbi Shem ben Elazar said four cases, really it's three rules with four applications, because the first Real, the first rule is regarding Rishos HaNizek, the second is Rishos HaMazek, and then we have two more rules regarding shared properties, where it's entirely shared, versus when it's shared for oxen and not for fruits, which are two different applications of the same rule of Shutfin. Moving on now in Yudal Mudbeis, we're going to discuss a Mishnah now that has vague rulings when it comes to payments, and we'll discuss five of those rulings today. So the Mishnah says, Shum Kesef, Shave Kesef, Ifnei Beis, Den Alpi Eden, B'nei Chorin, and B'nei Bris. Now this is all very vague, and we'll explain in the Gemara today. Second section of the Mishnah says women are included in damages, and the final section says Nezik and the Mazik are included, are involved in payments. So the Gemara goes through now that first sentence we read in the Mishnah and explains each of the rulings and the Chidushim. So when it says Shum Kesef, the evaluation of money, it refers to the fact that if a para tramples a talus or a para gets caught in a talus and gets damaged, you wouldn't just collect from the item that caused it damage, but rather you'd have to evaluate the damage and then pay the proper amount, not just taking the item as payment. Shavakasef teaches us that a Bezdin only collects from Karka, which is something that's Shavakasef, something that's considered value, but not money itself, as opposed to Metatlan, which is money itself, because it can be bartered elsewhere. Money or movables can be moved elsewhere and then bartered, and therefore that's considered money itself. So the mission is highlighting Bezdin would generally only collect from Karka, not from uh, Metatlan. The Gemara says this is specifically regarding Yesomim, meaning if the Yesomim's estate owed somebody else from before when their father was alive, otherwise Yashiv would actually teach you can even pay from Subin, like we learned earlier in the Masechta. Unless the creditor claimed these Metaltalin before the father passed away, then Metaltalin that he could have claimed he'd be able to keep because he collected it at a time that Bidyevit at least, Bezdin wouldn't remove it from that creditor. Moving on, the Mishnah says, Bifnei Beisdin. So the Mishnah Gemara says, what is that referring to? That a Beisdin of Ediotos is not allowed to adjudicate Knossos, it's only when it's a Beisdin of Mumchen, professionals. Alpi Edim, the Mishnah says, on the mouth of Edim, what does it teach? Either it teaches Modebeknas, where a person admits to a penalty that he would otherwise be chayef to pay, and witnesses arrive later, he's still exempt. But this would only fit like that Shito says you're exempt in such a case. Now, if you hold that you're responsible in such a case when witnesses show up, even though you admit it already, turning to Tesvav Modalif, the Chiddush wouldn't be in that line, but rather what it leads to, which is when it says B'nei Chorin, which excludes Avadim from being valid for testimony, and B'nei Bris, which excludes Goyim from being valid for testimony, and the Gemara says you need both because you wouldn't necessarily know one from the other. We're stopping here, top of Tesvav Modalif, and Ezra Hashem will pick up with Tesvav tomorrow. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful day.